okay You know it's simple, mama, down your toes, down your toes Can't meet me, man, I'm in, I'm in the zone, in the zone Michael Phelps with them flows, they're like waves and you know And I get them out fast, I'm Usain on them tracks Like Jordan to Peyton, don't talk all that trash Ain't on my level, relax, bro, just pull up them stats Let my game show the facts Know that you can never pass it, so you got another racket like Serena. No, I'm classic. It's my planet, it's my planet. On my space, you won't be jamming. Don't put me in the box. Keep on winning, I don't stop. Think you got an easy lane? I'm the Kimbe with the block. That's all you got. Yeah. I'm on another level. Yeah. I'm on another level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on another level. Yeah. Like ASAP Ferg, I'm on a new level. Okay. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. From iPhones to MacBooks to Apple TV to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more, now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Visit Opulent Inventory on opulentinventory.com and on Instagram. My guy Nash and Gardy are the very best in the game to provide you the Apple product of your dreams. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome, 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 everyone, to episode three of our great show, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, streaming in 17 different platforms worldwide. Myself, my ride partner, Michael Gray, that it is Tri-State, formerly known DMV area. Michael Gray, my man, what is going on? Oh, all is well, brother. All is well, man. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful up in the Tri-State. It's starting to get real cold, real chilly, especially overnight, but it's all good. How's everything down with you? Absolutely. Absolutely, Mike. I'm starting to get the cool front here hmm. down south there as well, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I wouldn't say most of uh, the people over here are, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's the best time of the year. We've got Thanksgiving, Mike, that is running around the corner. We've got the holiday season, including Christmas and New Year's. A lot of goals and a lot of things you want to get achieved. But, Mike, what a time. What a time to be here. Yeah, it's a great time. It's, it's a great time of the year. I always love the fall season and winter season. Uh, it's a great time to hustle. It's a great time to get to it, you know, real fast pace. Everybody, you know, tap into their careers and tap into their businesses and stuff like that. So it's a great time. Great time. Great time there as well. As for us, we took a little bit of a sabbatical. Yeah. We had taken a step back and haven't been on air, Mike. Uh, for a, a, a few weeks it feels like a few months with everything that's happening you know what's crazy i've always said that sports is kind of like politics right you know there's always something there's always something to talk about and there's never nothing so when we don't air and we don't have a show mike we it becomes an avalanche and then we become like man like there's tons of stuff to talk about oh yeah for sure yeah it was a lot of it was, it was it was a lot of a lot of backlash, a lot of drama, every, every everything that was going on under the sun. It was it was it was a lot, you know. We were having our comments, you know, in regular conversations back and forth over the phone and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, I can't I can't wait to actually talk about this on the show because it's it's it's, it's, it's going to get juicy. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. There. Let's start off with some key headlines here. Um, 
the headlines has been making waves all across America at this point. Odell Beckham Jr., Mike, you know this guy very well. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he wore blue and white and red at some point in New York, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and uh, the Browns and also Odell Beckham Jr.'s parting ways. In fact, reports are that he is being released from the Cleveland Browns in Mike. This is big news because this is a guy that Odell Beckham, still in the prime of his years, only 29 years old. We know what he can be when being productive in the right system and in the right offense. So I bring the question to you. Now that he's released, he is able to control his own destiny as in terms of who he stand, who he signs with and what ball club and team that he plays for. So to you, Mike, fit-wise, where does OBJ restore that brand that glamour that top receiver stardom that he once had uh fit wise i can see him with a couple of teams i can see him with the new england patriots potentially i know his relationship with bill belichick has been you know ravished over the years and something that's been highly talked about in the media and stuff like that so i could, I could definitely see him with the patriots especially with the, the 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 lack of big play wide receivers that they have on their roster right now and how eager bill, bill belichick is to win and add fuel to that offense um to, to compliment how, how how great they've been playing defensively over the last couple, over the last couple of years, so I, I would say New England, the New England Patriots would be a nice fit for him. The Green Bay Packers would also be a nice fit for them as well because of the quarterback that they have and Aaron Rodgers. Adding Odell Beckham, we didn't add the Raiders to this list. Now, right. no, now Henry Ruggs no longer a member of the team. How does that shape up if they were to get an Odell? Would that be a fit? That would be interesting, and it, and it would be good. It would be good for the city of Vegas too because. It would be some. It would be a nice buzz there. You know, you seen we seen the stadium, stadium, uh, stadium savvy. It's beautiful in there. You can can imagine adding an Odell Beckham Jr. to the game with with everything that happens. You know, with the the the, the crowd appearance and and the, and the draw that he has, even in pregame before the games. Yes. Uh, of what the crowd brings up to the table. So it would be great for the city of Las Vegas uh, and the team as well, just from a from an attraction standpoint, um, b- building some buzz back. But fit on the field. It would be nice as well because this is an offensive system and a team that 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 with the other weapons on the team he would thrive. You know, this is another 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 spot that he would thrive as well. Um, how 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 well they would use him would be the question with Derek Carr. His IQ on the field in crucial situations would be the key. But Odell would be a good fit in Vegas. Yeah, I agree with there as well. You said something key point that that stood out to me, Mike, is New York. In Vegas, right? You get a guy like Odell Beckham. Uh, the guy has more <laughs> Instagram followers than some of the greatest, um, even celebrities out there. He has the most, Mike, Instagram followers in all of the players in the NFL. And you pair that up with Vegas, uh, it, that's just that's just a match made. I, I think Odell, with the glamour, with the brand that he has, has to be one of those marquee uh, uh, major cities and Maybe Vegas might be a fit for them. That's food for thought there as well. When we look at the landscape of the NFL, Mike, there's some teams that really started off hot and kind of cooled off. Talk about the Los Angeles Chargers. They started at 4-1, and one and all of a sudden they've lost two straight, getting blasted at Baltimore, and then losing to my New England Patriots, Mike. So Justin Herbert, we're ready to anoint him as the next great one, right? We're, we're ready to say that Mahomes and Justin Herbert, it will be the next great division QB duel for the next decade and stuff like that. But these last two games, they haven't looked the same, 
right? And so I think the defense is starting to take a step back and the offense is needing to do more. So what 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 have you seen from the Chargers the last two weeks? Uh, they, they, they've gone to get some tough – they've gone to get some very tough opponents, especially tough defenses uh, for, for Justin Herbert's sake. You know, going against Baltimore Ravens defense on the road, traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast, and then going from uh, – then going to Bill Belichick's defense, um, we it, it, it was tough. It was it was tough. You see, schematically, there are some there are some things he has to learn as far as you know, really fully reading the defense and fully taking taking what the defense gives him a certain place. Some of these gunslinging quarterbacks, one of their biggest flaws, if they will, some of their biggest uh, curses is their gifts, is their their gunslinging abilities, their ability to get down the field and make the big play. But sometimes that that can hurt you as well because you're not taking what the defense gives you and 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 being versatile in your um in in your approaches and your in your reads. So Justin Herbert, that that's one of the elements that he has to learn and add in his game is is just some not 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 always going for the big play, just taking what the defense gives him and staying but staying above the chains. So 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 J- Justin Herbert, he he's gonna take that next step. The Chargers will be fine to me because they they have too much talent and they have a solid bunch. It's just it's just a, 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 little, a little two game skill right now. I expect them to continue to continue to play ball and to and to rewrite the ship as as the season continues. Agreed, agreed there as well. We can't talk about teams that are doing poorly without talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Now I know Mike, you had your eyes all over the Monday night because they were playing your New York football giants there for sure. So um the the Chiefs, they just haven't been the same. They haven't been the same. And when you factor in what happened in the Super Bowl they're technically four and five, right? They're under 500. The blueprint has been, Mike, this year is two high safeties and we're going to play zone against these guys. Keep everything in front of us. Number 10, Tyreek Hill, do not let him go behind you. And Travis Kelsey, we're going to bracket him and put two people on him. And then we're going to make Patrick Mahomes think. And in an offense that they have, Mike, that is very explosive, they want to beat you with big plays, yards, big chunks, yards downfield. We're going to slow things down, and we're going to see if they can be patient. Can they grind 10-play drives, 15-play drives, grind out the clock seven minutes? Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes don't want to do that, but we want to test We, we, we want to test their patience. Can they do that? And thus far, the answer has been no, and they, they haven't been doing that. They haven't been the same offense that they've been. They have been, uh, uh, you know, very bad turning the ball over. Patrick Mahomes is second in the NFL in interceptions. Who would have thought that a guy that nearly nearly rarely turns the ball over? But Kansas City hasn't been the best on offense, and I think the offense has had to do more this year with how bad the defense has been, and they've just been turning the ball over themselves on offense. So what what's the issue in Kansas City, Mike? Well, one of the issues is their, um, is their inability to adapt to everybody adapting to them. The, the 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 Kansas City Chiefs, the fear factor is 100% gone from, from everywhere in the NFL. Team, teams are figuring them out, and they haven't been able to readjust uh, from a standpoint of dominating the defenses the way they have the last couple of years. It's, uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a struggle for them recently, and they should have lost against the New York Giants. Let's just keep it real. Yeah. You know, a couple, couple players here and there that, 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 that went in their favor, especially in the fourth quarter, you know, with giant penalties and stuff like that. But uh, you could just tell, like that was a game that they won, but it was it wasn't a game that they won convincingly to the point where 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 people feel like, okay, this this Kansas City team is is poised to make a running and 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 really make things happen. Now this team still has some some flaws and is going to struggle uh, immensely, in my opinion, throughout the rest of the season because teams have figured them out and they have their number. And the fear factor for the Chiefs is gone. 
uh, uh, from from most teams, if not almost all of them. So uh, I see the I see the Kansas City Chiefs struggling to make the playoffs this year, struggling to um to get busy because they just can't stop anybody, Sebi. Like yeah. the offense was able to offset the deficiencies that we saw from the defense over the last couple of years. But now that the offense is struggling, you're starting to see those 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 those, those um those deficiencies really rear their head, and and it's really starting to cost this team. Uh, exponentially, so I, I, I would expect the Kansas City Chiefs to struggle to win games, struggle to, to potentially get in the playoffs by the end of the season, and uh, um, we'll see where they figure out from there. But this is just one of those tough seasons that you go through in a um, when we when we when, when you have a a, a, um, a legit franchise. Yeah, definitely there for sure. A lot of questions remain for what the Chiefs are going to do, and they've had a brutal schedule, Mike, thus far. I mean, they've played some really tough teams: Buffalo, Baltimore. <laughs> I mean, they've they. They played some the Washington football team, although they haven't been what they were, uh, what they were last year. But they've been have they've had a brutal, brutal schedule up to this point. There, is as well. Other key teams, Mike, that's caught your attention in this NFL season. Yes, um, it's a lot of interesting. The New Orleans Saints have obviously have been one of my one of my favorite teams to watch this season. Just obviously everything that they you know went through the first three weeks of the season. You know, being able to come home, some of the big wins that they have. Being five and two, right now without Drew Brees, uh, without Michael Thomas, their 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 number one receiver. Uh, Jameis is playing some solid football. Defense is playing great football. They got a big win against the Tampa Bay Bucks on Sunday, and uh, I I love what I'm seeing from the New Orleans Saints. And um, I feel like the Patriots. I feel like you're knowing the Patriots. They got a big win on 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 Sunday against the Chargers. We just talked about it. That that I, I really I really paid attention to that game. And defensively, I love how they played against that uh, that that high powered offense. And I and I'm I'm interested to see how the Patriots play because I see Mac Jones getting more and more confident as 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 the season goes on week by week. His IQ is tremendous. His understanding of of situations. In, especially in crucial moments, is is is, is impeccable, and his growth over time is going to show. And I think New England really got themselves one with that one. Those are those, those are two teams I could think of that 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 stood out to me. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. The way that this young kid can go through projections, doesn't the accuracy, man? Sixty eight percent of his passes for a rookie. That's that's impressive. That's nearly 70 percent. Um, that's that's up to the tears of Breeze. Uh, uh, Mahomes and 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 you talk about Rodgers and those guys, so that that's impressive to me for just a rookie and the way that he can all go through his progressions and his reads. The first guys that they're the second guys in there, he can go to the third, fourth, and fifth option. That's impressive to me. New Orleans, Mike, they 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 were very impressive. Here's a thought. Here's a stat for you. Since uh, being a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady's twenty and four against all teams, including a Super Bowl ring, obviously, but he's one and three against the Saints. And that one win that he got was, of course, <laughs> they, they said third time's a charm. The third time that they played him last year in the divisional round in the playoffs, and they beat them, um, large part because of the defense carried them. Uh, and we know what the defense did riding that team to the Super Bowl uh, last year. But Brady's one and three against this team. And I, I don't want to say that, you know, he plays bad against the Saints, but I think, Mike, it's more of a matchup thing. Yeah. It's more of a matchup thing. I think New Orleans – in particular, with their personnel, uh, whether it's Demario Davis, whether it's uh, Malcolm Jenkins, who still has a veteran, Mike, he's still very impressive, man. Marshawn Lattimore dealing with Mike Evans one-on-one. He 
He doesn't need help up top. He says, I'll take Mike Evans, who's a physical receiver, one-on-one. I think New Orleans in particular defensively, with Dennis Allen as their defensive coordinator, they do something that just bothers Brady. They do something that just – it's a matchup thing to me that I can't understand. Cam Jordan up front, you know, those guys uh, uh, with Davenport, you know, they can uh, apply pressure. So, in particular, New Orleans just does something to Tampa that 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 just it, that bothers Tom, and that's that's interesting in the NFC South. Where in the NFC thought that I thought you know Tampa Bay would run away with this year, um, especially with with how the other teams weren't as talented as them. But now you look at New Orleans at five and two. Now it's going to be interesting, Mike. Uh, Winston is out for the year. It can Taysom Hill ride the ship, right? Can can they continue to win games with Trevor Simeon, a guy that you know back in his days backed up Peyton Manning for Denver and won a couple ball games? So, one thing with Sean Payton teams, much like Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, and John Harbaugh, you can never count the Saints out because they're going to be prepared and they're going to be well coached, right? Yeah. So, and and that's that's what I saw, and that the Saints were very impressive to me. Yeah, when you talk about the New Orleans Saints and the Bucks, they, they they've traditionally dominated them, especially in the Drew Brees era uh, in the past, and even when Tom Brady got there. Like you said, not only is it a matchup thing, you know, with the with the Saints for matching up very well with the Bucks, but it's also a divisional rival and a familiarity thing. You know, right. with the divisional rival, you the, the, the divisional rivals, no matter how good they are, no matter how potent they might be to the rest of the league, they don't pose that much of a threat mentally and psychologically to the divisional rivals because they see them every, they see them twice a year every season. They they know them in and out better than most teams do. So it's it's, it's something there with the Saints. They they don't have, there's no fear factor. There's no there's an understanding of what the, the, the Bucks use normally try to do, and they match up very well with them, and they, and they make plays and make it happen. But, yeah, like you said, with, when it comes to the Jameis Winston in, in, injury and can Taysom Hill uh, um, continue to win game, win ball games for them or, or Trevor Simeon, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be very interesting to see because I feel like over time you need you need that foundation of quarterback. Will they put – will they make a move to get to, get to bring somebody else in? We'll see, but you need that foundation at a quarterback at the end of the day over time. And over time, you're going to see the deficiencies of not having that, that, that top-tier quarterback or that, that quarterback that can get it done. And um, it, it's going it's to rear its ugly head. But, but there's so many um, elite spots on this team outside of the quarterback to hold the fort for them. So I'm excited for to see how, how well New Orleans plays uh, in the future. Absolutely. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, Mike, they obviously the, the, the so-called America's team. You can't go without a segment without talking about the Dallas Cowboys, but more importantly, very impressive what they did in Minneapolis, in Minnesota, Sunday night football and under the bright lights. Dak Prescott hampered um, with a foot injury and not being able to come in and, 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 and start. And young, young, uh, uh, Brandon Rush, what's what's the man's name? I can't remember his name, Mike. I, I just know the quarterback Rush. Let's just put it yes. that way. Cooper, Cooper Rush. Cooper, Cooper Rush. There you go. Cooper Rush leading the charge, a late fourth quarter comeback with only less than a minute left to the ball game. In the back pylon, one-on-one, finds Amari Cooper in the back of the end zone. And and now, look up now, the Dallas Cowboys, they're 6-1. and one. What was impressive to me, Mike, was – the defense, the defense stepped up. The defense stepped up. Michael Parsons, 11 tackles. He was named NFC Defensive Player of the Week. But uh, when Dak Prescott isn't playing, when, you know, 
Zeke may not be giving you the things that he does in the running game, but he is giving you that ability and that production in the passing game. Uh, that's the evolution of his game that I've really liked. And knowing that their star, Dak Prescott, isn't there, but the defense says, you know what, we're, we're gonna, we're, you guys can be on our back today. Only holding the Minnesota Vikings to 16 points, that was impressive. With a backup quarterback, that to me, Mike, tells me that this Dallas team might might just be for real. Might just be for real. Because when you win ball games like this, games that you're really not supposed to win, that's the true telling of a really good team. When your great leaders are down, when your star leaders are down, and you find a way in hostile confines and environments to win because it's not easy to win in Minnesota. And they find a way to do that. That is a true character of a team. And this team is building. They're building on us, Mike. They're building right in front of our eyes. Very much so. And like you said, you were talking about, you know, the, the defense holding them to 16 points. The, to me, that was all mental because they knew coming into the game who was um, who was out. They knew Dak was coming out. So it wasn't like it happened during during the game. But they, and they had to switch switch a shift uh, uh, mid-game. They Mentally, they, they came into the game knowing that they had to lock in a little bit more, pay attention to the detail a little bit more, and really – really make the plays on that side of the ball because they were lacking that offensive potency and the, their the leader on the other side. So I, I love what I saw from, from the Cowboys on Sunday because they relish in that role of, uh, of almost underdog in, in, in a sense. They, 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 they have the play they're battle-tested. This, this was just another example, another week, to show that this Dallas Cowboys team is special, they're for real, and they're one of the, they're one of the top teams in the NFC. Yeah, no doubt there, no doubt there for sure. Speaking of one of the top teams in the NFC, as if as the Rams needed it. You already had Donald and Ramsey. Major, major news, Mike. The eight-time All-Pro, former Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl 50 MVP, Von Miller. Mike, this is a guy, Von Miller, Mike. Let's put this into perspective. This isn't just a guy that we're talking about, right? This is a guy that in 10 seasons has over 110 and a half sacks, right? You're bringing that guy to L.A. That guy is going to L.A., Mike, to pair up with Aaron Donald, who I believe might be right there when, when it's all said and done in the Hall of Fame. You talk about the greatest defensive players of all time, Ray Lewis, Lawrence Taylor, Warren Sapp, Reggie White. You talk about the greats. I think Aaron Donald is right there in the same breath as them. You add that in that same front with Von Miller on the edge, with Leonard Floyd, with those guys that they have in the back, led by Jalen Ramsey. So Hollywood just got, got, just got Holly good, Mike. They just got better. The Rams just got better. And to me, they might have just altered them as the team to beat in the NFC. The offense, we know what they are with Cooper Cup leading all receivers with receptions and touchdowns. You know, his continuity right now with Matthew Stafford and then on defense, Mike, <laughs> it's going to be very hard for me for teams to score more than 20 points because you're, you're going to have to hold the ball and wait for your receivers to get open. But time is going to run out because you have 99 on your lap and you're going to have 50 on your lap, 58, excuse me. And so it's, it's going to be hard for teams to manufacture offense and it's going to terrify quarterbacks. I, I, I think Right now, the Rams are might have solidified themselves as maybe the team to beat in the NFC with the Cardinals and the Packers ahead of them in the record column. Absolutely, yeah. The Rams, the Rams made a blockbuster move with this one before the trade deadline earlier in the week, man. This was a this was a a, a great Mike, move. I couldn't so. believe what I saw. 
Hey, I, I couldn't believe when I heard it. I didn't even see it. I heard it, and I was like, "No, nah, get out of here. That doesn't even sound right. That's crazy." And uh, it was it, it was it was crazy. But on but on, on one side, you have the Denver Broncos, who um who are are, are in a different space than what Von Miller needs to be right now in his career. Um, they they have a lot of a young core on the defensive line that's been playing very well, especially over the past few weeks. And um, they 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 they, they want to build on the future of that young D line. Especially, um, you know, behind Bradley Chubb and those guys, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, for for the Rams because now you have a situation where Von Miller's production hasn't been that strong this season from a pass rushing perspective. But with the Rams and the attention that, like you said, Aaron Donald is going to bring, Leonard Floyd, the other rushers on this team, Von Miller is going to open is going to open up even more one on ones for him, and I expect him to capitalize on that opportunity, and I expect him to actually dominate and have a very strong second half of the season. Because, man, we, it's, it's like, it's, like, <laughs> My it's, it's like, scary. It, it you, is scary. <laughs> you're, taking, you're taking up space. Like you, you just, you just have the, the offensive line is, is, is really gonna have to put in the work. They, they, they're gonna have to put in the work that week going against this defensive front because it's gonna be a lot of mono manos. The double team is just not gonna work. It's not, it's not gonna cut it against this line. And, and what helps, what helps this is that. One of the things that helps the Rams is that they don't have to blitz consistently all the time because of their four-man rush. Right. This adds to fuel to the fire. That's why their secondary is able to be put in is their their, uh, their back half is is make consistently making plays because they're never out of position and they're never um wavering because of the need to bring extra people. Right. This Rams, this Rams, this Rams defense just got even more loaded. This Rams team just got even more loaded. And I'm glad you brought up Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is somebody that I, I'm I'm happy for because. Of the injuries that he's had to deal with in the past, the ability to you know be be healthy this year and uh, be be able to show his ta- to show how his true potential and how how great of a receiver he really is when he's healthy. I'm happy for Cooper Cup this year. The Rams are, are a team that just man they're loading up. You could tell they want it. They want it right now. They see they see the moment that's right there in front of them and they want to capitalize on this opportunity while it's here. Yeah, they they have to, Mike. I mean, they don't have any more draft picks, right? They they yeah. gave two first round draft picks to Lions in the Matthew Stafford trade. And then, of course, they gave a second and third for Von Miller. I've never seen a team in, in all in like like this. They they they, you know what what Bill Walsh used to say. They bet better win a Super Bowl uh, to 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 pace this because they <laughs> they are all in on all this trade, and we are all in on this week's episode. There's uh, that wraps up segment one of our great show. But when we come back, Mike, we shift gears to the end. NBA will shift mm-hmm. to the NBA. There's a lot of things to talk about. The Chicago Bulls that I've been very high on. And, of course, you got to talk about the Lakers. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show, live and streamed here only on WIC Radio. And we are back here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, our second segment here of the day. The Mike DeMar DeRozan, um, the Boston killer. Um, he All he does is just kill my team. <laughs> and also, as well, uh, pairing that up with Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. This team, Mike, they want to run. They want to run, and they want to hurt you in transition. 
But what it's interesting to me, Mike, is when they were down against Boston, the turnaround of that game is defensively, they started to play some defense. They, they, they started to play some defense, a very good defense. We know a great defender Caruso is, how great uh, on-ball defender that Lonzo Ball is, bringing that from L.A. and New Orleans to this team. And Billy Donovan has these guys playing. And quickly, a 19-point a, a deficit, Mike, quickly turned to a 39-11 and 11 run. And for them to come back and not only win, but win in double digits. I was very impressed by what I saw by the Chicago Bulls. A Bulls team, Mike, that has all the making of something special. Yes, yes. The, the Chicago Bulls came up for real. I, I like what I see from them as well. Uh, it took me a second to really get on them because of the easy schedule that they had, not only in the preseason, but the, the first three or four games to start off the regular season. You know, they were dominating teams from a standpoint of, yes, we love that you're not taking teams for granted and you're really – they're coming out with an assertive energy every game. However, the competition that you're going up against is hard for me to gauge how legit you really are. And, boy, they proved it. Ever since that game against the Raptors when DeMar DeRozan was coming back uh, and he had a, he closed that game out, you know, like you said, that game against Boston. Even the game that they lost against Philly, that was a tough game that, that they battled with against a tough defense. And, uh, you know, you could just tell that, you know, the game really could have went either way. It came down to a few plays in the fourth. But this team is right there in the mix with, any, with some of the top teams in the uh, Eastern Conference, and they're going to be right there down the line. Caruso has been playing well. DeMar DeRozan is playing lights out right now so far to start the season. Uh, Lonzo Ball, the, from the defensive standpoint, is playing well, and he's orchestrating and flowing with flowing, ha- having the offense flow at a, at a high rate as well. So it's it's, it's a well-oiled machine. It's, it, they're, they're a very competitive team. They're going to be right in the mix with some of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. And from a, from a well – they're a well-oiled machine from the perspective of – when you think about all facets of the game, all pieces of the game from the three-point perspective, the mid-range perspective, the big man perspective, they have key pieces and key traits and leadership uh, uh, roles in all on all levels and all positions. So I, I love where this team is headed. They look like a well-oiled machine. Their chemistry is really is really coming to snuff, and uh, it's only going to grow from here as the, as the season wanes. Yeah, absolutely. They're for sure. Another team that's really caught our eye in the Eastern Conference, and in fact, in the NBA, Mike, is the Miami Heat. We knew that they were going to be good. They added out Kyle Lowry. They made some key pieces to bolster their bench, adding championship uh, uh, pedigree and no hold. So we knew they were going to be good. We just didn't know they was going to be this good. Defensively, Mike, they're probably the league's best defensive team. They are outstanding on that end. And then a welcome site. Tyler Hero, Mike, he, he's reverted back to how he was playing in his rookie season against the Mavericks, Mike. This is something that was very impressive to me. They made history. Uh, the first Miami team to have five players score 22 or more points in a game. Put that into perspective. Five players had 22-plus points against the Dallas Mavericks yes. in a comeback effort uh, against Luka and those guys. That is impressive to me. This Miami team, looking further down the line, come postseason time, because they will be there. They're going to be a tough out. Yeah, 100%. They are going to be a tough out. And one of the most impressive traits for this Miami Heat team is their defense to me, Sebi. Their defense is really stifling. They have one of the top defenses in the entire NBA. When you know, when you think about how physical they get, the, the, the culture that's already in Miami and the culture of the players that's on the floor. You know, you have a P.J. Tucker that they brought in. That's going to be huge for them down the line in the playoffs and, and key playoff situations. Uh, Jimmy Butler, we know how much of a pest he is. Tyler Harrow has picked up his defensive presence as well. So this, this Bam Adebayo in the paint. 
So this 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 team is a well oiled machine, and and they're one of the few teams in the Eastern Conference that matches up well against the Milwaukee Bucks and against Giannis from a defensive scheme standpoint. So I love where this Miami team is headed. They look well. If Duncan Robinson can start can can pick his play up, that'll make this team even more scary because he's had a very slow start to the season. Um, he he hasn't shot the ball well. Uh, defensively, he's been he's been a bit of a liability to some degree, and his minutes have been diminished a little bit a little bit because of it. But because of the depth of this Miami Heat team, they've been able to spell for that, and and, and it's the reason why they why they only have one loss in the season. Yeah, uh, well, formerly too. Last well, night, now they, too, too. Yeah, they did lose last night there as well. Uh, the oh, Los yeah, you had to throw that in there. Huh? So yeah, had to throw that in there. That was a huge win, huge win for 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 my my my, my green fellas last night. Uh, there for sure. Uh, we go out west, the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, they, they, the Lake Show. It, it, it's it, the NBA, isn't it? If you don't talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, Mike, another double-digit deficit squandered again. They were up forty-four to twenty-five last night against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Quickly, you see that go down the drain, and Shea Gilgis Alexander, uh, you know, from the logo, just. Just another meltdown by the Los Angeles Lakers. We knew that this team were going to be take time for them to, to to get acclimated with each other, with Russell Westbrook, with Anthony Davis, with LeBron. Now, with LeBron missing an extra week, Mike, coming up, all eyes are going to be on Russ and AD to kind of carry the ship until LeBron gets back. And so, don't look now, Mike. This team is 5-4. and four. Uh, they're, they're not playing their best brand of basketball. That's to be expected with three guys like these coming together, making sure that chemistry is a thing. But it concerns me, Mike, these double-digit leads that are that they're getting blown by. It's it's something to be concerned about. And I know, and I know that that's something that the coaching staff is preaching to these guys. Yeah, the defensive pressure is not as strong as it has been in the past with the Los Angeles Lakers, and also their offensive efficiency is not as, is not strong enough to be able to hold a 19 point lead consistently throughout 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 a full quarter game. It wasn't the fact that they that Oklahoma City came back from yet another deficit to win a game. It was how fast they came back. They were up. The Lakers were up 19, uh, almost midway through the second quarter, and by halftime the the deficit was four. Like it's just. These you could tell some of these fast-paced young and gun teams, they're just running the Lakers up and down the field, fast-paced, getting getting defensive stops and getting the ball in transition, and they haven't been able to spell for that in, uh, in key moments during games. And um, when you when you have a team like the Lakers who are still trying to figure things out, figure rotations out, figure out, uh, you know just get, get get guys acclimated to playing with each other, they're still in that process. And versus a young team who's playing with house money who's motivated like crazy to play against you guys because you're one of the top teams and you're one of the highly talked about teams. This was a, this was a situation where the Oklahoma City Thunder was going out there and, 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 and they, they, they were just playing hard. And the, the, the result of them playing hard and the result of them sticking to it was, was another win. They have two wins on the season, both against the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, it was another one of those situations. But for the Lakers, this is going to be a trial and error period. There's going to be a lot of losses like this throughout the season. But there will, there will come a time when they figure things out and they start to rally up so many wins consistently that it will offset the trial and error period that they're going through right now. I'm not really too much worried about the Lakers uh, in the long haul, but right now I, I do see some deficiencies defensively. I do see some rotations offensively that are questionable, but I, I do expect them to figure it out over an 82-game season. 
Absolutely, absolutely. They're for sure. We stay in the Western Conference. You talk about the well-oiled machine that the Jazz are, Mike. Seven and one, including their win last night in Atlanta. Without Donovan Mitchell, the reigning sixth man of the year, Jordan yeah. Clarkson goes off for 30. This team's going to be right there again. The question is, is much like the Cowboys and the NFL, they're going to be judged by what they do in the postseason. But for the regular season, Quinn Snyder, Mike, they can legit go 10 deep. They have two starting fives on the bench and in their starters. They're, again, going to be a force to reckon with in their conference. I see them no worse than a two-seed again this year, Mike. Yeah, regular season-wise, we know what the Utah Jazz are capable of. <laughs> they have the depth to make things happen on a night-to-night basis. They have the, um, they have the, the experience throughout the regular season to make things happen uh, and to be competitive and be one of the top teams in the West. Uh, because of their attrition, because of their uh, of their death, obviously, and because of their the, the the style of play, but the the West the, the Western Conference has how loaded the West has been in the past has been their downfall. Injuries has been their downfall. They 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 haven't been a team that has been able to weather the storm of the Western Conference. Last year they lost to an and uh, an, an injury depleted uh, Los Angeles Clippers team, especially towards the end of that series. So. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what they do in the playoffs when they go against that tough competition. If they'll be able to make the plays and give Donovan Mitchell the requisite help that he needs in a four quarter game on on a consistent basis to win series against these top bunches. Because regular season wise, we know how good they can be because of how deep they are, you know. So, but playoff wise has always been the question for this Jazz team: Are they deep enough, and do they make enough shots, and do they create enough offense in order to? Um, help Donovan Mitchell out against the, the, these tough Western Conference opponents. Absolutely, absolutely there for sure. The Phoenix Suns, they were in the finals last year. A uh, rather pedestrian and slow start for them too as well, Mike. Chris Paul and Booker haven't really gotten in the gear yet. I think Booker talks about like that was the most basketball that he's played in years. You know, a guy that's never been in the postseason, that got a chance to smell success got all the way to the finals, and then with a quick turnaround to the season, he's like, wow, I haven't gotten a break yet. So, still start for the Suns, but what should we expect moving on forward there as well? I I think they're in the same situation, much like the Los Angeles Lakers. The Phoenix Suns will continue to find their mojo and get their flow as the season progresses. I mean, like you said, the Devin Booker, he says a lot of basketball he's played. He went from the NBA Finals straight to USA Olympic basketball. And and not only that, he went from a grueling um, six-game series, very physical series, against the Milwaukee Bucks and then straight to the Olympics. So it was a lot of high-level basketball that's being played, the highest level possible uh, uh, against the best players in the world. So his, 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 he's, he's getting his legs under him. This team is getting their legs under him. And over time, you're going to see them find their flow back. That was an emotional roller coaster playoff ride that they just came off of, and they, and they didn't finish the job with a championship. So it's going to be so – a second ticket, you know, to get that feel, to get that consistent feel that we saw last year through the regular season, to get that, to get that winning streak, to get that uh, that continuity again. Everybody on the same page. It's gonna take a second, but I, I see it coming soon. And you started, you started to see, you started to see glimpses of it over time, especially games like last night against the Houston Rockets. Devin Booker has been steady. You know, these, these guys have been steady. They haven't been bad. They've just been steady. You know, so we're, we're gonna see those consistent. You know, uh, big. Big number of uh, performances, big big uh, outright performances over the over time. 
It's just, uh, you know, with the, you know how we have Super Bowl hangover? Well, there is a such thing as an NBA Finals hangover, especially for the, the, one, the team that doesn't capture the championship. Absolutely, absolutely there for sure. Any other major players or teams that's caught your attention, right? New York. New York is buzzing again. The Knicks, they are 6-2. and two. Brooklyn is there. Trey Young and his play for Atlanta. Your Washington Wizards, Mike. Your thoughts on how the NBA has gone so far? Well, you know, you know, I'm, 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 I, I can talk about my Wizards all day long. You know, I just love what I've seen from from, from Washington this year. We've, we've been a well-oiled machine. We're on a two-game losing streak right now, but 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 there, there's going to be stretches like that throughout the 82-game season. I'm not too worried about it. I just love the com- the competitive nature of the Wizards right now. The Toronto Raptors are very impressive to me, Sebby, because the player Agreed. development. The player development over there is is rearing his head once again. This kid, OG Ananobi, the, the skill level and the development of his offensive game is very special. He's looking like a Pascal Siakam Jr. on, on you know, just, just even, evolved even more. You know, I, I see his potential getting even better as the years weigh on, as the days go on. His offensive game is special. He comes out and has a 36-point performance against the New York Knicks. And then you and then this Raptors team is so balanced. You have Fred Van Vliet that comes out and has probably his best scoring performance of the season with 33 points against the Washington Wizards on Wednesday and getting a big road win. So two tough road wins for the Raptors recently, and they're they're just showing that they're they're skiller and they have a potential rookie of the year in Scotty, Scotty Barnes on yep. his on their team right now that's playing some very good basketball. It's a high IQ basketball team. They don't have superstar or star players on their team right now, especially with Siakam out, but they're winning games based on a high IQ coaching, high IQ play on the court, and just that championship era and that aura that they have about them. I love what I'm seeing from the Toronto Raptors, and they're, they're one of the teams that has really impressed me over the last, uh, I'll say, week or so. Yeah, absolutely there as well, Mike. One thing, again, coaching. Coaching comes to effect. You can never question Nick Nurse, one of, if not the best defensive coach in the NF in, in the NBA, excuse me. This guy, his he he's he's they say he's a mad science when he's in his in his office. Like he cre- he comes up with weird and schemes weird defensive uh, uh, plays just to kind of throw at opponents that they haven't seen before. Boxing yeah. one on Steph, nobody would ever thought that anybody would do something like that. He comes out and he does that in the 2019 finals. The way that they played in 2020 being the best defensive team in the NBA uh, metrics wise. I mean, this guy is, is unbelievable. And then mm-hmm. so their player development with Masai Jiri as their GM, the, the way that they just do things in Toronto, they're going to be there for the record. And Scotty Barnes, Mike, the guy's a legit six, nine with a seven, six wingspan. Yes. He can guard one through four. The guy already has a jumper. We'll see if he can extend that to the three-point line. But as a rookie, he's fantastic. He can be out on the break, not afraid to take the best opponent's defender and guard him. Uh, an elite, potentially, Mike, an elite two-way defender and two-way player, should I say. I think Toronto got a gem at, at number four. And so Toronto's been very, very impressive. Toronto, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that championship aura is really, you're starting to see it. Rear his head, rear his head with this team. This, this, this is a team that's going to be able to, to potentially sneak into the playoffs and going to be in that playing mix when it's all said and done. If I, I, I have to give show love to another team as well that's really stood out to me, and that's the Indiana Pacers. And it hasn't been because of wins. 
it's been because of competitive nature and watching them get on a game-to-game basis. Sebi, the record of this team does not show how good this team really is. This is a special ball club. And now that they got Karis LeVert back, this was the key. Karis LeVert came back against the New York Knicks and gave them 21 points. It, it was early. He was getting his, getting his, getting his um, you know, he only shot 8 for 18, almost 50%, but he was getting his legs back. With Karis LeVert on this team, with a Malcolm Brogdon, with a, a Domitius Sabonis, with a Miles Turner still, with a young potential Rookie of the Year candidate as well, and Chris, Chris Duarte. Duarte. This young, um, this young Pacers team is a is a very special bunch, and I saw a glimpse of it when Karis LeVert was there um, when he came back against the Knicks. This team, they were missing another offensive firepower, firepiece early in the season, losing these close games down the stretch. Karis LeVert is that bucket getter for them down the stretch that can create offense for them. And I see this Indiana Pacers team getting better as time goes on, going into rally wins. And they're going to sneak up on teams because they're a team that not a lot of people talk about. So they're going to sneak up on teams, and I expect the Pacers to really make noise. But if I have to give another sh- a shout-out to a player individually, Sebi, we're not talking about Paul George enough. He's been special. We're not talking about Paul He's George enough. He's been special, Mike. I understand the Clippers having one like one um, at a higher rate than, than a lot of the other top teams, but Paul George is playing some of the best basketball that I've seen him play in a while. I mean, he and, looks and, just... and to second that, Mike, I have to give a shout out for Ja. Ja Morant's been special. Oh yeah, yeah. Ja Morant. Ja, 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 ja Morant is unbelievable. Mike. Ja Morant is ill. He's an MVP candidate right now. He, the way this Wizards team playing, he's an MVP candidate. He is, Mike. He is unbelievable. The stuff that he does. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like athleticism to T. Like <laughs> that guy is unbelievable. He's fun to watch. Yeah, I got to show love. I just had to show love to Paul George because. I feel like his play is getting overlooked to some degree because on both sides of the ball, he's he's playing great. I mean, he, offensively, we know the numbers that he's putting up, especially over the last about week or so. But defensively, he's playing well. I believe he just had a career-high game uh, a week ago where he had eight steals, Sebi. I mean, the, the dude is playing some great ball on the other side of the ball. He came into this season with the mentality, knowing that he had to carry the load without Kawhi Leonard for the majority of the season. And he's taking that challenge, and he's doing very well so far. We'll see that 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 type of effort and energy will be rewarded because you're starting to see the others step up. Reggie Jackson is getting his offensive field back. You know, Eric Bledsoe is knocking down shots. Nicholas Batum, these guys, these guys are making plays. And the Clippers are looking like a, a bunch that man. If, if I'm telling you, Sebi, if Kawhi Leonard comes back, this Clippers team can blow the whole West open. That's how dangerous this, this Clippers team is if Kawhi is there. But without him, they still can be competitive enough to get into the playoffs. Absolutely, absolutely there for sure, for sure there is as well. When we come back, we'll talk about the Atlanta Braves, Mike, and what they did. <laughs> the city of Atlanta is a rocking, and of course, Mike's closing arguments. The Sevy Podcast Radio Show, streaming only here on the WNSC Radio. <laughs> And we are back here for our third and final segment here on the day. The Atlanta Braves, Mike, party like it's 1995. It's been 26 years since this team has won and been back to the dance. 
in the World Series, and they got it done four games to two against the mighty, mighty Houston Astros. This is a ball club, Mike, that I didn't think that they can get it done. People were talking about Atlanta, the, what, what, what the Bulldogs did against Alabama. They were talking about what the Falcons did against the <laughs> Patriots down 28-3, Mike, at Houston in yep. that Super Bowl. And they didn't think that going back to the curse area in Atlanta that they can get it in Houston, they can get it done. But Atlanta did. They finished it in dominating fashion, seven to nothing. The game was over after the fifth inning, Mike. Freddie Freeman, Solar, without Ronald Acuna, those guys yep. got it done. The Atlanta Braves are your 2021 MLB champions. Your thoughts on that? There was a magical run all the way from the start, man. This Braves team was resilient, and they got hot at the right time. You know, they, it was it was it was fitting for them to win this this series because they had the proper pitching, they had the proper hitting, especially at right times to get it done. You know, shout out to Freddie Freeman, George Solar, and uh, Dansby Swanson, and these guys. They really came up big in this game six. I know Atlanta would have loved for them to close this this series out in game five and, and had the had the city rocking uh, and win the game right there at home, but. You know, it, it 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 feels it feels sweet either way. You know, so so at the end of the day, Atlanta got that curse off their back of not being able to close the deal and and and, and get the championship done. So shout out shout out to the Braves, man. It was a it was a magical run all the way, and I was happy that they were able to close it out. Yeah, definitely. I was happy that they were able to close it out there as well, Mike. Um, they've got some key 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 uh, 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 free agents going on. Freddie Freeman. Right, the longest tenured Braves has been there for 13 seasons. He mm-hmm. is pending free agency. The fans in Atlanta and the faithful in Georgia would love to have him back. Your thoughts on what they'll do with him in the offseason? It's going to be very interesting to see because usually when the championship is won, big moves have to be made and sometimes sacrifices have to be made as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what sacrifices Freddie Freeman is going to want to make to make another run at it financially and what, what moves the Braves are going to want to make outside of him in order to uh, to see to see what direction they want to go, and that'll be the line line of death between whether Freddie Freeman stays or he goes goes elsewhere. Definitely there, and then of course the Houston Astros, they've got a problem there as well, Mike. Much like the great teams of the Mets in the '80s, you had Drew Gooden and all mm-hmm. those great teams. Only one championship to show for in those great five seasons. Well, the Astros, they've been great. Obviously, they got a title to show for in 2017. It's controversial. People are saying that they did cheat. They did get caught cheating as well but nevertheless they do have a title to show for it but in a four-year stretch and so it is is their window closing mike they've got some big 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 decisions to make as well carlos correa altuve um you know some of these great hitters that they've got that's been so dominant for them in their four-year stretch they've got decisions to make as in terms of payroll in a small market city like houston so decisions decisions and of course you got to feel for dusty baker mike again another big game losing effort for dusty baker who's still looking for that first world series title absolutely you know it's government it's government it's government in the state of least but it lets you know the deficiencies of the houston astros the problem was never getting out of the um out of the out of the american league it was always it was always whether or not they were good enough to beat the teams that make it out of the National League, and they never were good enough uh, except for that one year, and 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 that's been their downfall, you know. So the, the Houston Astros, you can only get here but so many times before your window starts to close, and I think next year is the year you'll see the Houston Astros start to, you know, um, not look as dominant 
and uh, especially in the postseason and get there because teams this team starting to catch up over at, at a certain point. You know, adjustments made, roster changes get made, and things like that to adjust to a, a dominant team that's been taking over a certain conference. So I, I see that I see their window continuously closing, and the fact that they couldn't capture another championship in that window, uh, it was unfortunate for them. Yeah, definitely, there for sure. This isn't the NBA or the NFL, right? There's farm systems. There's <laughs> the MLB. You gotta get the you gotta get your titles when you can get it in there for sure. And of course, as we wind down today, this is the moment. For Mike's closing arguments, take it away. Let's do it. These closing arguments are the media is portraying, the mainstream media, excuse me, is portraying the Aaron Rodgers COVID situation versus how they portrayed the Kyrie situation. Mm-hmm. And you could say that it's two different sports, two different rules, and this, then the third. But the fervor and how you, you know, talk about a man's character versus how you talk about, you know, a man's character when he when he was clearly honest and told you straight up what happened versus, um, you know, somebody who you can say at the end of the day, I'm not, and, and, and make no mistake about it, I'm not against Aaron Rodgers in this sense. I'm against the media for waiting until November to say something about an interview where it, that happened in August. You know, if you felt if you felt a certain way about the verbiage that he used in the interview in August when the the, the reporter asked him whether he was vaccinated or not, why wasn't the the hoopla? Why didn't the hoopla come out then? Why did it, ha- it take for him to get COVID? For the for the for that situation, for you to harp on that situation, for you to come out about that situation. So I'm not against Aaron Rodgers in that sense. I think the media put themselves in a position glass where, you know, yeah. they, you know, the media put the mainstream media put themselves in a position where they waited too late to talk about something and they didn't catch it when they had when they had an opportunity to. But the the way they the way they cover the Aaron Rodgers situation versus the way they cover the Kyrie situation is is. It, the the fervor in which they talk is very different because they're very similar in certain degrees. Kyrie was forthright and told you where he stood in his position, to to your sense. In, in y'all's eyes, you were under the impression that Aaron Rodgers was vaccinated, so you you felt like he lied. So if you felt like he lied, why doesn't why why doesn't he get like like Jay Williams said? Why doesn't he get the same fervor that that Kyrie got? If not, then some. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those situations where you see. The propaganda to it, and you could say it ties into politics. You could say it ties into race. You know, I, I think it's all of the above with mm-hmm. a situation like this, based on how they cover these type of stories. So it's just propaganda in the media. It's, it's narrative driven, um, for, for the most part, mainstream wise. And I, it's very unfortunate to say the least. But with situations like this that we're going on right now, unprecedented situations outside of sports and in the real world, the, there's there's going to be situations like this where you see you see flagrant um, hypocrisy. And, and and how certain and how certain people are covered. Yeah, again, and I think also the Green Bay Packers, Mike, they need some blame on this as well. I think they yes. mismanaged this as well because, and, and and don't be surprised if there's some fines or maybe some draft picks penalized for this because uh, obviously we know how Roger Goodell in the NFL, um, you know, manage and and run operations in their ways, but they've mismanaged this because. I don't know if it was because they didn't trust Jordan Love to be the starting quarterback and they made an exception because of Aaron Rodgers and their COVID uh, and the league protocols. But, you know, if if you knew Aaron wasn't vaccinated, then why wasn't this out, right? Well, why wasn't this out? I, I think this they probably kept this behind closed doors and things of that nature. And, and sooner or later, you know, something like this was bound to get out. And so I, I think this was poorly managed and, and and a part of the Green Bay Packers, and and I think that they should get the same blame as well. 
Yeah, hundred percent. It's just it's, you waited. You waited until you until it, it, it's out there that he has COVID for all this to come out. It's just it's just it's just terrible timing, and it, it shows the hypocrisy on your point on on, on on their behalf as well. It's just I just I just didn't like how it was handled, how the whole situation was played out, and the the the, the timing of it all makes me uh you know ha- have some questions. But um, yeah, I just I just thought, I just thought the, the way the way both stories were constructed and how you come at. You know Kyrie for making a personal decision, and he him coming out telling you what he's what he's doing is is it was unfortunate to see how someone who who you you portrayed that he lied to you guys in the in the and and all of a sudden you know we don't get that same fervor if not then some. Yeah, agreed, agreed. There for sure, things to to come in Lambeau Field in Wisconsin there as well. We'll keep a close eye on that, and you guys keep a close eye on us. For myself and Michael Gray, we say so long from now. Until next time. We're excited, folks, for tuning in today and joining us on this show and for any other episodes of our previous in the past. Make sure you follow us on sebipodcast.info on all social media platforms and on Instagram. We'll see you guys next week.